Good evening world, this is Nyana B from the mean streets of London. I'm doing a podcast outdoors today while taking a walk. It's uh, kind of a meditation and also I just gave a great massage to somebody and I'm full of energy so I thought, oh, why not do it outside? Let's hear the sounds of the real world. So in my first episode, I had done part one of my internet series, De-Google Yourself. I believe it's episode number eight, and you can find that in the backlog of my episodes. And I was inspired to create part two of the internet series. And this topic is very nuanced because we're right in the middle of the technological generation. It's not really something we can normally take a big step back from, like a piece of history and say, oh, I see it like that now. We're right in the middle of it. So I thought I would share based on what we're right in the middle of. And the other day, Two days ago, I was watching a show, a documentary, on the company Just Eat. And it it was called something like, what is takeaway really doing to you and the world? And I was like, ah, I don't normally watch things like that, so let's give it a go. And... The documentary touched on the fact that companies like Just Eat, Uber, Airbnb, and a few other ones are creating a sort of bubble in the market where, for example, Airbnb is putting the hotel industry uh, out of placement. It's sort of displacing them and Just Eat is displacing real restaurant business, you know, walking into a restaurant. And it got me thinking, we can do everything from our phone now. If we want sushi or some Chinese food or something, all we have to do is press a button and we don't really have to get off the couch to do it. But what that's doing is it's literally putting the power in the hands of a fake company. Think about it. Just Eat has nothing to do with the restaurant business at all. They were created as sort of a middleman between the restaurant and the consumer. So the restaurant, which is a small business, unless you're Gordon Ramsay or Jamie Oliver or someone like that. But most of restaurants, most businesses are the small people and they're paying a cut of their money to get business to people who are essentially too lazy to cook or too lazy to get up and order something that they want. you know, they, they can't even move their feet to do it. Not everybody, but, and maybe I'm exaggerating a bit, but that's, that's the story. 
So there was a story of a guy who owns a restaurant and he had done for the past 20 years and it's his life, an Indian restaurant. And he signed up to just eat and they said, okay, first your percentage that we'll be taking will be 12%. He was like, okay, fine. If it gets me a few more people, I'll do it. And he was positive about it. And then the percentage slowly started to climb from 12 to 15, from 15 to 17, you know, small incremental numbers. Until the point he realized he wasn't making back, he was cutting it even, and he wasn't making any profit on his own business. And customers who were ordering were getting a, a good deal, even a better deal than what they would normally pay going into his restaurant. So he was getting totally screwed over. Um, and whose fault is it? Uh, you could say it was his fault for signing up in the first place, but really, he sort of bought into the notion that everybody uses the internet and everybody uses Google and everybody uses uh, apps and Just Eat, and which is true. But whose fault is it? Is it the customer? Is it Just Eat? Or is it the man? Mm, I think it's Just Eat for creating this fake sort of displaced bubble. And secondly, it falls on customers because if there's no demand, there would be no Just Eat. They're the ones who are ordering the food through the app, the physical app. And it led me to realize that there are more than a small handful, a large percentage of companies on the market uh, are exactly the same as Just Eat. They are, for example, even Instagram. Instagram is one of them. Guilty, guilty, guilty. What Instagram does is it realized that first of all customers uh, consumers more like are looking on their phones for some content maybe for inspiration or maybe to get more business but then they realize that they can capitalize on people or businesses even individuals who want to reach out to an audience because they think just like the uh, just like the guy who owns the restaurant through Just Eat thought that everybody uses the internet, so why not? And now, if you have an Instagram account, what will happen is somebody will find it and say, oh, I can offer you 25 followers for $25, or a thousand followers for $50, or whatever. And they are a fake platform, fake business, completely fake, <laughs> meaning it has no reality uh, until it's given a reality by your own mind. Uh, and they sucker you into paying them to be able to reach an audience. But what does that actually do? Maybe it gets you a few more clicks and likes. Maybe it gets you 
10 more people, but actually there's no guarantee in what they're doing. If I pay for something, I want a guarantee in a sense that it will A, work, or B, that if it doesn't work, I can take it back, or C, to be pleased with what I have paid for. And when you're paying somebody for Instagram followers, there's no guarantee that they will bring you business. Maybe there's a guarantee that they will get you numbers, but there's no guarantee that they will actually support you long-term. It's a short-term numbers game. And I haven't actually worked closely with them, but I doubt that if you said, hey, I paid you and only five people, uh, even though I paid you $50, have come to me through you and given me profit. Um, I doubt they would say, okay, well, we'll give you your money back. I doubt it. If if it happened to you, let me know. I would love to hear about it. But that's another example of something being sold that's completely not true. Um, unreal. And this is actually the whole premise on which the internet stands. The internet is an unreal entity. It has no physical location. It has no existence except the existence that our mind actually gives to it. And some people take it so seriously, like people are bullied on the internet and they can take their own life because of that. And you know, the way we process through technology now is such that that can happen because people do take it seriously and they think that they're talking to a real person, which they are, but they they sort of have like a bubble of distance. And yeah, so this is the way that the world works and that people interact with the internet now. But in all reality, the internet is a database of information. And <clears throat> information, it has no feelings. It doesn't have a heart, uh, you know, a library. What, what's in there? Books with information, useful information, but it's not existing unless you're at the library. But the internet has taken over our consciousness to the degree that we depend on it. Can you imagine if you depended on the library? Even though you're not a librarian, you're not a researcher, you're not an avid reader, but you depend on the library for your very sense of existence or self or communication. It doesn't make sense. So it leads me to wonder why people and the human mind is evolving in such a way to rely so heavily on an entity that's 
made to be a tool and not a master to us as people. Now, since people actually control the market, we control whether the library stays open or not, or whether Instagram stays open or not. We are the controllers because we're the consumers of that media. If we decide to renounce it, then it has no existence anymore. Um, I've made that pretty obvious. But there's something about it, something about it. And I had a boyfriend back in the day, maybe about 15 years ago, and he was one of the loves of my life. And he told me, he was like a foreseer in some way. He was a bit of a hippie. And he said that, you know, one day, you're going to walk down the street and not be able to even walk into a supermarket. There will be no food and maybe not even any supermarkets anymore. And I was like, hmm, I wonder where you got that from. But it was sort of a premonition, just like George Orwell in 1984. He had some premonitions about humanity and the human mind and the master-slave relationship and all sorts and some of the things he was talking about uh, actually came true and he was uh, my ex-boyfriend he was sort of a conduit picking up this information and foreseeing the future. I believe we all have the power to do this. Um, it comes and it goes. Actually, to tell you the truth, I was writing a science fiction story about two years ago. I always start to write books and never finish them because I've always wanted to write a book and blah blah blah. However, I was writing a science fiction story and then a month or two later, I turned on a documentary again, um, hosted by David Icke, who I really like. He's an amazing uh, seer and personality dealing with human consciousness and evolution and all these things. But I turned on a documentary um, with him, and he was saying the exact same scenario and I'm talking about details I wrote he was talking about exactly the same and I'm not going to tell you because I might release that book however I was shocked I was in shock how could I have written about this and he now says this out loud you know we've never met we never shared information like this and I know that it came from a source other than myself. Uh, this happens when um, two things simultaneously happen on the planet in different locations like the discovery of maths or astronomy. Um, information human beings obtain in understanding 
and they don't necessarily talk to each other or figure it out together, but they get it from somewhere. So the information and consciousness is already here. We just sort of pick it up. And yeah, I was speaking about how this is happening with the internet and premonitions about the direction we're heading. And actually, I don't see doom and gloom in it, but I'm just pointing out the negative aspects of what the internet and technology can do to our minds. It's a subtle form of mind control. And if we believe in it enough, we give it too much power. And if we can't even walk into a supermarket one day because everything's going to be on our phone and we're not even going to make the effort to feed ourselves anymore, um, what does that say about human contact? Because human contact is already interrupted by the internet. We would rather message somebody than meet them face to face. I know people and I have, um, I work closely with people who are too afraid to call people on the phone because they don't know what to say. <laughs> Why? <laughs> you don't have to know exactly what you're going to say when you pick up the phone. You have a feeling you want to call someone and talk about something. You don't have to know exactly what you're going to say because people aren't perfect and nothing is perfect. And life is always spontaneous, but we miss that point, I think. We forget that life is a set of spontaneous things that we cannot control. But if you like to be in super control, then you're going to want to message people and you're going to want to control uh, your emotions um, to a degree, their emotions. And you're going to definitely want to control the situation that you put yourself in. It's understandable, but that's not how life works. Uh, sometimes we need to experience with other people and communicate and learn from them, even strangers, in ways that we wouldn't normally otherwise. And the internet blocks that um, ability and blocks that... Um, chance, that chance to actually be able to communicate in person. And it's sort of ironic that I'm creating a podcast and it's on the internet. It's not a secret. And this is my form of communication. However, I'm doing this because I am intimate with my thoughts and my feelings and my body and I'm connected on a level where I feel confident and comfortable sharing things that are floating around in there because I'm genuinely interested in the nature of consciousness itself and I hope to connect with others who may be too shy to talk about this, you know, on the street or 
you know, you don't really find people who talk about these things when you meet them for the first time. And it, it takes time to build a relationship and really get deep into it. And really, our problem is a little bit about time, the nature of time. We have a lot to do and a lot to accomplish in this short little life of ours. So we need to spend it wisely. And we can't be talking about this stuff all the time when you have kids to take care of and when you have a job to go to and serve people. So this is the best medium I can think of at the moment until we gather in places like satsang and other groups that support these types of talks and we make it a point to do that. So I am using technology, but I hope to use it as a force for good in the world and as a force for connection. And that's why I'm so adamant that people email me. Email me, I won't give you my phone number, but email me and tell me what you think. Tell me, have I said something you don't agree with? Do you agree with it? Open the dialogue, let's be open. This is what it's meant for. If we want to expand our knowledge and our understanding and expand our consciousness and have experiences we can be proud of at the end of our life, let's do that. I'm all up for it. But getting back to the internet, it's, uh, this is the world we live in now. I don't think that that's a dispute. We can get Wi-Fi anywhere in the world. Um, and I'm wondering what it will do to actually the service um, aspect of being a human. Lots of spiritual traditions point out that being of service to others or being present with others or being there for others being patient and kind, things like this are the nature of what it is to be human and what's important. So being of service means to be present with other people. If we can't be present with other people because the internet gets in the way, what will the service industry look like? Service in business? Service in relationships, intimate relationships, service in community, service in being with family or friends, um, being of service through a gift that you have, like being a massage therapist or a doctor or someone who wants to help and heal others. What will this do? Will it completely disconnect us from our surroundings? I say this as I touch a leaf. So let me know. Let me know. We talked about a lot and I'd love to hear your point of view. 
That's Curious Bodhi. Curious, B-O-D-H-I, at Zoho.com. Zoho, because I don't use Gmail. <laughs>